welcome to the Everything Theatre podcast, brought to you by Everything Theatre, a theatre review and interview website covering more than just London Fringe Theatre. Each week we'll bring you interviews with some of the best that Fringe Theatre has to offer. We'll talk to theatre makers about new shows, hear about the art of making the plays, talk about some of the wonderful venues you may never have heard of before. In short, we will chat Everything Theatre and what makes it tick. So let's dive straight in and hear what today's episode has to offer. Today I've got James Lark. James is writer of Infants, which is a new musical coming to the Oso Arts Centre in Barnes, 14th, 17th of July, plus an extra day. Bedford Quarry Theatre, 21st July. James, love to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first and um, your production company? Hi, yes. Well, I'm James Lark and I'm a composer and writer. And this is my third full-length musical, uh, which has been in development for a very long time. So it's really exciting that it's finally getting on stage in front of people. And it's being put on by a company called Tring Productions. Um, Tring is a, a small town in Hertfordshire. Uh, which most people have trouble finding, with a, an improbably huge number of musicians and actors and opera singers and directors and writers. Um, and a few years ago, some like-minded creatives um, and myself were in a room and we, we thought it was a pity that a lot of these people were basically living in Tring but getting on a train and taking their skills to London. So we set up Tring Productions to, uh, to basically provide opportunities for those people who live in Tring to do more work in Tring, or at least to meet up and, and plan work in Tring uh, before taking it elsewhere. Um, and all of our careful plans were then scuppered by a global pandemic. So this is actually the first time we've, we've, we've done something. It's not quite the first time. We, we, we did a few outdoor events last year, but basically it's our first um, physical um, full project. And so, so th- and that project is obviously Infants, which... Yeah. So it's a musical set in a school, isn't it? That's right, yes. It takes place in a single day um, in a uh, an infant school. Um, well, that's I don't know how many people use the term infant school these days. Uh, <laughs> certainly it was, a, it was the vernacular when I was in school, but basically kind of lower, lower primary. They're, they're seven, eight-year-olds. What is the sort of rough plot of the show then? Well, the, 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 the concept is that the six actors on stage are playing year eight-year-olds but they're also playing the teachers in the school and they're playing the parents of the eight-year-olds um so it's a a a series of events that leads to this uh, meeting of those three groups of characters so we start off and we're we're at the start of the school day and everyone's turning up and the parents are saying goodbye to their children the staff are turning up and we get this sense of world weariness um and uh then uh, uh, an incident happens in the classroom involving all of the infants and it gets back to the parents who decide that they need to come in and confront the teachers about it. So it leads towards this. In, in some ways, it's it's basic farce. You know, one thing leads to another and more characters get involved. And by the end, they're all on stage, which is fun in itself, because, of course, there are only six actors and, and 18 <laughs> characters. Yeah. What's, I mean, um, so, so what your, your writer in this, are you performing or you do you sort of do play the music or 
I, I, I wrote uh, I wrote this with a lot of collaboration. I mean, I, I am the, the credited writer, but I, but I also want to kind of give credit to the, the many actors um, and musicians who've worked over the years to develop this because I feel like musical theatre is essentially a collaborative uh, art form. Um, and it wouldn't be in the shape it's in if I hadn't had the chance to workshop a lot of it over several um, weeks. And I am, uh, for my sins, performing in this production. Um, I, I don't tread the boards as often as I, I used to when I was younger, but um, in this instance, it, it, it actually made sense because I've been involved in a lot of the workshopping and um, apart from anything else, I'm, I'm cheap and available. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's been, and it has been great fun. I mean, you know, I, I think that it's very rare that I've been able to write something and actually participate in, in this kind of way. So I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Mm. How do you, st- I mean, what's, what's the start process for musical? Because I was, um, I was at an event a few weeks ago and there was a guy there talking about he's writing a musical. He was shared a couple, it was, it was just like a scratch night. So he shared a couple of songs from a musical that he's in the process of writing, he said, but he said it, it'll take three or four years before he even gets it with it. Is that, is that normal? Is it, I mean, what, where'd you start when you put the musical together? I don't know what normal is actually. Uh, maybe, I mean, I've written, as I say, three full length musicals and, and the process for each of them has been different. <clears throat> and it and it gets longer each time. Uh, this one, I mean, from the start of writing to now is about seven years. So if I ever finish my fourth one, it will have been about 20 years in the making if, if we carry on on this trajectory. But I think that um, the process for this one has, has worked well, which was that I started off just writing character songs. Um, the, the idea um, wasn't, it didn't begin with a narrative, it began with characters. Uh, which I think works well for musicals because, of course, what is a song uh, uh, but a, a way for uh, an actor to express, you know, the psychology of, of a character. And I think it means that this piece has got very, it's very strongly rooted in, in the people at the heart of it, the characters that have developed after that, particularly the, the infant characters who are, who are very much kind of the, the heart and soul of the piece. Then it was a matter of seeing, and this is where the workshopping came in, seeing how those characters interacted and where we could strengthen certain facets and where we could create conflict from those. Um, and the story grew out of that. I'm not sure that's necessarily the process that you'd always want to use. My last musical, uh, which I wrote about 10 years ago, was based on short stories by Saki. And obviously narrative was, was the starting point there. And it was about kind of knitting together a plot and, and then developing the characters out of that. So it probably just depends on the, on the nature of the work. I take it musicals is your thing then you've you've done is this free you've done free musicals yeah so that's that's what you specialize in yeah well yeah I've I've written a lot of theatre music that hasn't been musical theatre but but I sort of see it all as part and parcel of the same thing in a way you're with with any theatre music you're looking to support story essentially and character um and and uh whether you're doing that in the form of songs or underscore I think that the essential aim remains the same do you start with a song or do you start with a character, the sort of the script then? I mean, or the well, two go hand in hand? With this piece, I started with the characters and and that was a really fun, it was a liberating way of working because I wasn't tied to any kind of story. I wasn't tied to anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the songs that I started off with were basically standalone character pieces. Now, they're not necessarily suitable for popping into a musical in that form, but I was able to take either bits, fragments from those songs or adapt those songs into something that was more um, based around the narrative that emerged. But as I say, I think it means that what 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 the starting point was, was a really strong set of characters from which the story grew. 
musicals are very much maligned and i i'll be honest i i have been as guilty as many in in being very um um, what's what the word is now offish towards musicals you know i don't i don't tend to go to musicals because i i because i feel I, I like a strong story but you feel musicals are sort of maligned for that reason because you can still have a strong story in a musical well i think at best musical theater can be an immensely sophisticated and satisfying and dramatic um form of theater i think the problem is that's actually really difficult. I mean, writing musicals is, is, is not easy at all. Mm. I think that possibly one of the problems we have is that, that that's not understood. I think that there have been examples of musicals where producers have gone, look, all we need to do is find someone who can write songs and stick some songs together, insert them into, a, into a, an existing script, a storyline, and, and Bob's your uncle. That's not a good, good way of writing musicals. There have been plenty of those. And maybe the problem with musical theatre is that um, generally, as a culture, we're not ambitious enough with it. But I think that, that when musical theatre is really working and when uh, music and lyrics and narrative are all uh, working towards the same aim, it's immensely powerful. Yeah, and I, I mean, there is, as I say, there is a skill to tell a story in that style, isn't there, which is... I say, which is probably what we do overlook, that the ability to write, you know, a, not only write a story, but write it in a way that comes out of music, you know, to a musical theme. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, I think that it, it requires so many different cogs to work, even, even after you've, you've got it on the page, even if it's sort of working on the page, there's a reason why so many musicals go through a workshop period, because once you put it on its feet, there is a whole load of other elements to do with performance, to do with direction, to do with design, uh, that all have to be working uh, towards the same end. It's the reason why I think musicals do need several years to develop. Mm. Yeah, but as, more, as you say, there's much more to it. So there's much more that can go wrong in musical, isn't there, than a sort yes. of yeah. straight drama. Do you feel, I mean, do you feel story-wise as well, musicals could be much, uh, sometimes the storylines in musicals are quite a light, shall we say light and fluffy? I mean, there's much more, musicals tend to, you know, the big musicals tend to be more, uh, they feel more throwaway at times. I don't know. Is that does that sound right? Well, well yeah, possibly. But I mean, again, I think that that some musicals are kind of deliberately written to be throwaway. Um, I mean, I don't want to malign um, jukebox musicals at all because <laughs> there are some very clever examples of that. But also, you know, a few clever jukebox musicals clearly led to a spate of people going, ah, all we need to do is buy at the yeah. back of so-and-so and, and we've got a musical. And that's, again, that's just not a, a, a good way of writing musicals. I, I just think that it's... It's a pity that that's the perception, if that is the perception, because music has has the power to move people and to and to affect people, you know, beyond text. And as a, you know, as an uh, an opera lover as well, I would say that that it has the potential to to offer depths that you can reach only through the power of song, through the power of music. Um, and that's what I would aspire to, certainly, as a, a writer of musicals. Yeah, and it's strange because, I mean, in everything theatre, we've got some people who absolutely, you know, who who will go to any musicals because, you know, they 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 see them differently to what, you know, I, you know, they they I've got I've got reviewers who absolutely adore musicals and whenever they come up are jumping on them. So it and is... Also, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think there's absolutely a place for... A, I mean, throwaway uh, sounds uh, derogatory. I wouldn't necessarily describe them as throwaway, but there is definitely a place for the frivolous musical. I'm a huge fan of the kind of 1930s musicals, you know, Anything Goes, um, Me and My Girl. 
which is basically about here are some great tunes. Here's someone tap dancing on the table. You know, I love that as well. And and again, it's because music has the power to elevate that stuff and and make it absolutely yeah. thrilling. But it's oh, not yeah. the only, it's not the only thing music can do. And and we should we shouldn't um, assume that all musicals are therefore frivolous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting saying. I've had I've had some very interesting conversations with people about musicals, and um, it's a very yeah they they tend they tend to polarize people much more than anything else, don't they? With some yeah, absolutely, and 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 I I wonder if part of that is because people have have a very limited set of ex- expectations. I, I do think that again culturally, musicals are so often sold as kind of you know your, your hen night activity um, when when actually it's such a broad. I mean, musical. The musical art form, as we know it, has been around for now over a hundred years, and it's so broad, and it's been broad for a very long time. So, it shouldn't we shouldn't limit our expectations. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the weird thing is, I mean, there are, I mean, there are some musicals. That I, you know, I, I think the problem is, I see musicals quite. I always think of musicals. I think of the music as quite light and you know, almost poppy in a lot of musicals, and that that's probably what I don't. You know, that's why I'm very. Not, not a fan of but then i've seen some fantastic musicals and i, I tend to go for the more darker ones you know blood yeah, brothers yeah, um, yeah, yeah right but anyway moving on so you're this is about say uh one day in a uh an infant school or a lower school whatever it's called nowadays <laughs> you're a teacher so how much of this is based based on what you've seen in real life well, it's not based on real people and, and real events at all but but i suppose uh that was obviously an inspiration and having observed children uh, for a while of that age, I was definitely kind of fascinated by the, the, the kind of, it's the seriousness, actually. The thing that, that is appealing about um, characters who are eight years old is that their world is, it's smaller than ours. Their problems are, we would see as, as more trivial than ours, but in, to a child, they're not. To a child, the fact that someone has used their favourite pencil is, that's devastating. That is an important thing. That's something that needs to be solved. And and you can't, as a teacher, you can't treat that as trivial because you just lose the respect of the child. You have to understand why that thing about their favourite pencil or, or the thing that he nudged him and or he said that and it was taken out of context. Those things really matter to them. Um, and in that sense, the world of children is just like the world of adults, just in in small form is it is it the mannerisms is it sort of the the, the way they you know let's like say the way they behave the dynamics is that what you sort of picked up on to put you know copied into the play well i mean the fascinating thing about children is of course by the time they're eight they've learned their mannerisms from adults particularly from their parents and um, and you're not looking i mean there's nothing to me particularly appealing about watching a group of adults doing kind of child acting on stage. And that's not what this is about. The thing that makes them funny is that actually they are like mini adults and they behave like mini adults. And and some of the funniest things that children do are when they become kind of like a small version of their own parents. So that's what we're exploring. And and the way that this works, and I think what we've discovered is when it's really, really funny is when the actors are absolutely playing it for real. However ridiculous the situation, it's serious to us. It's serious to our characters. Therefore, we're playing it absolutely seriously. Is it? Yeah. And I mean, and I think you just alluded to this a little bit. Is there, is there a risk of, of when you've got adults playing young children? How do you get over that issue of, because sometimes it can just look wrong on stage, can't it? Yeah. Depending, if they're acting very childlike, seeing adults act childlike can sometimes not just be wrong on a stage. How, how do you get around that? Well, I, two answers to that. The first is, 
by avoiding what I just described as child acting. I mean, I think anything that, that begins to look like a parody or a pastiche of a child, is, is it stops being real and it therefore stops working. And the, the other um, answer is you cast really good actors mm -hmm. and I'm delighted that we've cast such a, a strong set of people to play these children who, are, who absolutely get it and absolutely commit to those characters. And, and actually, I, I genuinely think that once you're in those scenes and everyone's playing children, because everyone is playing them with such commitment and seriousness, you do start to believe that they're children. You forget that you're watching adults because you're so engrossed in the scene that they're playing. Each actor is basically playing three parts, are they? So a child, an yes. adult, a teacher or similar. How, how, how do you, get, how you go get around distinguishing who they are at that moment? Well, that's been one of the, the parts of the process in rehearsal. And, and actually, the reality is it has to be quite subtle. Because again, if you are doing something large and absurd to distinguish your characters, then you're not playing a real person, you're playing a parody. So we worked really hard at developing a slightly different way of standing or walking, uh, uh, vocally, obviously, um, a different way of talking. And this is where music really helps because I've been able to write in one style for the children, which is quite naive, quite, not simplistic, but, but definitely melodic songs that a child might conceivably construct in their head. And then for the grown-ups, because of course grown-ups complicate absolutely everything unnecessarily. I've written variations on the same themes. So we see that the children have learned some of these melodic ideas from their elders, but with much more com complexity of texture and rhythm, much more counterpoint, much more singing over each other because adults talk over each other all the time. So we're seeing kind of the same musical material, but in different forms. And that really helps because as soon as you, you hear the, the, the singing, it informs you about which characters you're listening to. Is it is it live music? How is the music going to be live, or is it? It's 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 a single uh, pianist accompanying the whole lot, which is a, a big ask for for, mm. for our, our musical director uh, John Lee, um, who's doing a magnificent job. I mean, it is a, a lot of it is is through composed, so he's doing an awful lot of playing across the the two hours of the show, um, and a lot of it is very complicated playing, and he really makes the piano sing. Part of that is because aesthetically, that again, it it, it has the look of a school. If, uh, you know, an upright piano on stage immediately says school hall. <laughs> yeah. Part of it is because you've got six actors on stage doing, as I said, quite a lot of um, contrapuntal singing. Uh, it, the, the, the material for the adults in particular is, is written uh, with a really cool texture. So a lot of the kind of the, the, the overall sound is coming from the voices anyway. And now you're playing at the, um, I, never, is, is it, is it, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Oso, Ozo? I, I don't quite I know. Oso, um, but, but yeah, probably um, colloquially known as the Oso. In yeah, I've never, I've never quite worked <laughs> out how it's meant to be pronounced. You play, you're playing there. So, you, I mean, which I find that has a very different audience, actually, anyway, straight away. I don't know. Have you got much experience of, have you oh, been there yeah. before? It's a, there, I mean, a, there's a, a fantastic sense of community around that mm. place. And a lot of people will just go to everything there, whatever it is, which is amazing because it's a really diverse program that they put on. They do a lot of music. They do some quite highbrow stuff. You know, they, they have chamber operas on there, but they also do, you know, their comedy shows and, and, and they do some very serious um, theatre. So infants really seem to fit 
tick quite a lot of those boxes because it is musically it's quite sophisticated it's, it's not it's not an opera but it, it it has kind of operatic leanings in places and theatrically although it's a comedy it's it actually has some quite serious themes running through it so i th- i hope that it will appeal to the, to the it, local audience. it does i say from my experience with that place and my noise of barns it is it's a not a strange audience but i i mean compared to normal fringe venues it's a it's an older audience to start with. You tend to find yeah. a much more mature audience there. So and so it's I say it's 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 a, it's a very different audience. But I can imagine I can imagine how yeah, as you say, they're very loyal to that place and and I they yeah, and I, I can imagine this will work down there. But you previously wrote Tony Blair the musical. Uh-huh. Did you feel Harry Hill stole that from you then? When he <laughs> no, no, he's. I mean, every, the, the, in um, in two thousand and seven, which was the year that Tony Blair the musical was on, there were there were two other Blair musicals. One was at the Fringe at the same time as mine. <laughs> the other one uh, was in London a few months later. So there's. Uh, if Harry Hill has stolen the idea, there's at least three of us can lay claim to have <laughs> having had the idea. But I, I'm afraid I don't think it's a particularly original idea. I think in 2007, it made a, a hell of a lot of sense commercially because that was the year that Tony Blair was leaving office. And I sort of sensed that was coming in 2006 and wrote that musical um, very quickly, which is one of the reasons why I think kind of looking back, it it feels like a piece that could have done with a, you know, a bit, a bit another part really. But, you know, it, it was about hitting that that deadline to, to get on, uh, you know. Uh, so in some ways, I feel like Harry Hill has, has simply just um, missed missed the train a little bit by doing it now. But <laughs> It feels a bit late, doesn't it? Um, you're not tempted to write Boris Johnson the musical at any point then? or Not remotely. I, I will admit I saw a Boris Johnson, it was supposedly Boris Johnson opera. It wasn't opera at all, which confused the life at me to start with. And I actually saw that at the um, Sadie Osso. And um, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, well, as I said before, there's something not very entertaining about seeing adults playing children on stage. Um, well, I'll leave that comment there. Yes. Well, no, you're not going to, because that's what we're going to come to next, isn't it? <laughs> um, you say, yeah, th- th- there feels a slight political element to this. You're, talk- you're looking at a day in a school... Are you are you comparing these school kids to you know? Just, and you said they act like young adults, they, or they act like the adults they see. Is there an element here where you're? Is there a, a political parody in the background here? Um, it's it's not a political parody, though. It's definitely the case that what you see and the story that emerged, and this is this is where it was very satisfying to to watch it develop because this this was never part of my original concept. This grew very organically, but the story that emerges is that by the end of the play, you're basically looking at the adults and you're looking at the children and you're thinking, well, there's not much difference between the way these different groups are behaving. And if anything, the children are more, you know, instantly forgiving and, and able to move on. So it's not political if if you are looking at kind of um, the current state of our politics, I would say that that's definitely informed the the direction this show took. I mean, I was writing a, a lot of the kind of very um, foundational narrative around the time of the Brexit referendum. And I honestly think whatever side of that debate you were on, nobody in this country should feel pleased about the way that referendum was handled. The the discourse on both sides was was dreadful and childish. And it just sort of basically boiled down to, particularly in the media, but even amongst our politicians, 
name calling. And then when the outcome was that basically, you know, the country was split down the middle, rather than acknowledging that, the government didn't say, well, look, there's a lot of people on both sides feel very strongly about this, so we need to find some kind of way of uniting them. They actually doubled down and it was crush the saboteurs and and, and everyone has to get behind this very, very solid idea because uh, just over half of the country believe very passionately about it. So what's come out of that is a really divided nation and we have continued to be divided in a way that I still think is utterly childish and we see it to this day, it's it's a slagging match, it's name calling. I just don't think anyone, whether you voted remain or leave, I don't think anyone won. Oh. Uh, and, and, and I think that the quality of our political discourse uh, as a result of that referendum, amongst other things, has, has really become quite toxic. So that's certainly when you know, I, I was writing a song for the, the headmistress character. And at the time, I thought it was going to be hilarious. I thought, you know, that there's nothing funnier than an authority figure um, kind of suddenly being exposed. And, and, and uh, you know, she basically has a bit of a breakdown uh, in, in the form of the song. And I wrote this song and I thought, yeah, this is great. Everyone wants to see their head, headmaster, headmistress have a nervous breakdown. And then I sent the, uh, the demo to all of the, the actors I've been working with. And I was getting emails back saying, this is the saddest thing I've ever heard. And I realized I'd accidentally written just something devastating because I'd written something <laughs> that was really about the state of the country as I saw it. And, and that's what we're bringing our children up into. That's the world that they're going to inherit. So it does have quite a, a, a tragic tinge to, to, towards the end of the play. Yeah. The name calling is interesting, isn't it? Because it really is, and it is still going on today, isn't it? That um, we're still seeing, you know, Ramonas and, you yeah. know, I mean, and you still yeah. see, I mean, you saw, I mean, David Davis recently come out and said, well, it's the Remainers for we haven't got Brexit. It's like... It's all about blame. And again, <laughs> it's the most childish thing. That's I see that in school and I call it out in school. It's my job as a teacher yeah. to say, okay, let's sit down and try and see it from the other person's perspective. And yet we, we don't seem to be able to do that as grown-ups. It's, it's pathetic, but it's, it's always someone else's fault. It's, I mean, yeah, well, let's not get too political on this, but there is that figure, a lot of people say that, isn't there, that we have a very privileged person sitting there at the moment who doesn't feel we can do anything wrong and everyone should bow to what he wants. And, um, well, yeah. I, 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 obviously, I am getting political, but I'm not looking to, to particularly lay the blame on any particular one side or, 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 or group because I feel like it's it sort of what's happened is that that is how we are now conditioned to respond yeah. we're not conditioned to say okay explain your point of view and have a reasonable chat about it we're not conditioned to by the by the media to try and find some middle ground we're conditioned to to stick to our point of view and and shout it as loud as we mm. can with a few names thrown in and and, and, and create a sound by a headline as you say there's there's no depth because it's all about that instant sort of sound by isn't it but yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, trust me, I could go on a very long time. I could, I could, <laughs> we could get very deep into the politics here, which I'd probably try to avoid. So you play at the OSO, say, full team. So that's, yeah. Um, what's your hopes after that? So, I mean, are you going to see, how, is this like a sort of test run, see how it goes or? It's, I mean, it is a test run, but it's more than a test run. The, the story behind the production is that we were all ready to roll it up two years ago and um, we would have done a complete week in Tring, which would have been, I suppose, closer to what the Americans call an out-of-town tryout um, prior to kind of bring it into London. Uh, and I'm glad that we're not doing that. I'm glad that we feel that we've moved on and we were able to do some stuff online during the pandemic and we were able to test some of it, as I said, at outdoor events. So it feels like we're not just kind of rehashing the same idea that 
we were going to to two years ago uh, and have have you know moved it up onto a more professional platform and and taking it to more venues as well um but i hope that this is a beginning rather than the, the final form it's certainly a show that would be very easy to talk it requires an upright piano a pianist and a cast of six and it's and you know it's the staging is uh, is very very simple because it's all everything that's happening on stage is is done by the people on stage it's very much an ensemble piece so i think it would tour very very well and i think it has real commercial appeal i think that the the subject matter um is appealing i think people like comedy i think people like musicals and uh, I, I flatter myself that there are some catchy tunes in there um, some of them may be slightly more um, hard to kind of get a hold of uh, in a first listen I've not written a you know a, 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 a jukebox musical by any stretch but I, but I think there's enough in there that people could could really um, uh, get on board with it as, as a piece uh, you know hummable tunes uh, so to speak definitely are in the show um, so I hope that that um, this will be a, a testing ground to see kind of where we take it next and to take it to the next level. But that's not to say that this isn't kind of an endpoint in itself. And uh, you know, thrilled that, that the OSO have thrown themselves behind it because um, it seems like, a, as you say, a perfect venue for this show. Yeah, and it, and it's a lovely venue to go to. I mean, it's a really nice. It's a nice, simple venue to go to if you live this side of London. Because um, <laughs> I, I like a venue I can drive to now and again, and that's perfect for it. So um, it is is a lovely venue. Um, is there is there an art? Is there an act? Is like does a musical need a, a catchy line? Do you, do you need in a musical sort of as you say? Do you need a, do you need to walk away from a musical afterwards humming at, at one of the tunes? I think it helps. One of the frustrations of trying to sell a musical to anyone, uh, but particularly to someone who's got the money to do anything with it, is that quite often I think people look for that to be an instant thing. Where's your instant tune? Mm. And, you know, the history of musical theatre shows that actually the, the really catchy tunes aren't necessarily the ones that you instantly recognise. They're tunes that maybe they crop up several times in the course of a musical in different mm. forms, and, and they kind of almost trick you in they worm their way into your, your brain Neither, yeah. it without realizing that you've kind of you picked it up <laughs> yeah all right so just to wrap up things then do you want to give us a 60 second sell on why we should come and see infants at the um oso art center on the 14th to 17th of july well you should come and see infants because you will have a really good time apart from anything else you will see a cast of six people doing something really incredible it's an acting tour de force they're each playing three really well-defined characters and you will hear some really phenomenally difficult music sung as if it's effortless and you'll see them moving around creating scenes creating moments in a way that is so theatrical and so satisfying um, I hope that you will come away with some tunes stuck in your head as well, and certainly with some characters um, and um, food for thought afterwards. And I think you will never have seen anything quite like it. <laughs> Brilliant. Sounds Not, good. Uh, seconds, but that, that's, <laughs> that's in a nutshell what I think um, uh, you should come to see it for. Excellent. James, been an absolute pleasure. This does sound really good, as I say. So this is just a repeat. This is Infants, which will be on the um, Oslo Arts Centre in Barnes, 14th, 17th of July. 7.30 start? Uh, I ought to know the answer to that, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh. I, think, I, think it, 
I think it might be an eight, eight o'clock start um, on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And it's a 4.30 start on the Sunday. No worries. Well, we'll put the details up on the website anyway. So I'll, I'll, I'll put a link up to the OSO anyway, so people can check it for certain. James, been an absolute pleasure. It does sound fantastic show and say all the good luck for week after. Thank you ever so much. It's been a joy to speak to you. Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our website at everything-theatre.co.uk where you can find reviews and past interviews that we've done. And please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes where we'll be talking to more of the amazing people who make theatre the wonderful place it is. This has been Everything Theatre. We hope you enjoyed. <laughs>